Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. There goes March, and here comes April. Finally, spring is here. And it's been pretty great. Obviously, the normal ways, rain, but hey, it means the weather's getting to be better soon. And it means I can go back hiking and biking again and enjoying the outdoors. April Fool's this Saturday. Do you guys do that thing? I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like practical joke. I don't like making fool up other people. I think it's mean and cruel. And it's just egotistical, to be honest. But what's not an April Fool's joke is me thanking you for joining me today. I thank you, and I always, always appreciate you. We are available on wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. So please go ahead and do us a favor and subscribe now. Also, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach us at our social media accounts at An Immigrant's Life. And you can also email us at animigrantslife at yahoo.com. And that's the biz. You know what's next. We're going to talk about the episode. This week's guest is like a pomegranate. She's a late bloomer, but when she bloomed, her powerful energy and colorful personality spread and made our world more beautiful. I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast. So let's get to it. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa Dalawa Tatlo. Today's guest is a cultural ambassador and founder of Ikat Wear. She's a cotton flower blown by the wind and made root in the Lone Star State. Everyone, please welcome Kami Faze. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Kami. Nice to meet you. I am originally from Uzbekistan, and uh, I'm the founder of Ikat Wear, which is a cultural uh, fashion online store. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I try to raise awareness about uh, different cultural exchange programs so people learn about each other's cultures more and travel and explore. Mm. Uh, thanks for having me, Erin. Uh, oh. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure, and thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you. Why don't you tell the Immigrant Nation where they can reach you, or if you want to promote anything, you mentioned Ikat Wear. Go ahead, party time. Yes, thank you. So, yes, I started this uh, online clothing store, Ikat Wear. It's uh, an... Uh, it's a cultural, uh, ethnic, fashion kind of uh, place where I try to promote my culture, raise awareness about our region, Central Asia, here in the United States and uh, in the world. And uh, everything is made in Uzbekistan. It is made from the natural materials and uh, they are very beautiful, traditional 
uh, ikat prints, mm. um, colorful kimono robes, uh, different uh, kimono sets. So you can wear them on top of uh, anything. Like if you're going for a brunch with friends or if you're going somewhere out to, to really make an impression. But uh, you can find everything at uh, ikat ik18.com. <laughs> uh, I know some people pronounce it iCat, but it's actually mm. ecat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I hope I hope you check it out. I hope you enjoy it. And mm. uh, I also uh, try to promote cultural exchange programs. Uh, um, or nonprofit chinet.org where you can learn about different cultural exchange programs and I'm sure wherever you are in your life if you're a student if you're a parent if you are looking for yourself and want to travel you can find a program that's appropriate for you especially for native english speakers you can travel to europe with a live with a host family or mm. you can host an international exchange student and make their dreams come true so that's it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you got it covered. I did? Okay. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> it's all right. Take your time. All right. Yes, oh, right. I love your tattoo. Is that pomegranate? Yes, this is pomegranate. Uh, ah. We used to have pomegranate tree in my uh, home where hmm. I grew up in Uzbekistan. Yeah. And, you know, pomegranates, they bloom very late. And then okay. you can see like the blo- the blossoming tree and the snow all at the same time. It's very pretty. Mm. Yeah, I love pomegranate. It's a beautiful looking fruit. Mm-hmm. Which part of Uzbekistan did you grow up? I grew up in Tashkent City, which is the capital of Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. And there's a region there uh, where it's a, it's a very mixed culture kind of place because it was all around, uh, all of our uh, kind of area in the city was built around a factory that was moved from Russia during during World War II. So it was an airplane plant. So in the morning, you would see like this, like a, a loud sound saying the factory is like starting and then all of the people would go there like you see in like Soviet movies. So I grew up in a, a, among a lot of Russian speaking people. Eventually they all moved to Russia or, you know, different places. But I, my, my uh, first language is Russian and mm. I also know Uzbek and I'm trying to kind of regain it back because you, you know you lose it all the time oh yeah but you do lose it i remember when i used to work with this uh, german lady she's she's like probably like 60 plus and she's german right and uh, i used to bug her and say hey say something in german like how can you say this in german and she used to say i forgot i'm like <laughs> how do you forget it's your language you know you grew up with it right i was new here in canada i would say about maybe two, maybe three years, right? I'm still naive about that idea that you could lose your language. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few years and I forget my own language. <laughs> I'm like, no. But how do you practice your language? Who, do you have a family or friends? Uh, I think my best way to practice for me is when I go back to visit my family and I speak with taxi drivers <laughs> because <laughs> they're my favorite people. I mean, they're ready to chat and mm. they don't care if your Uzbek sucks. And, you know, it's just like you can be very like you can be very loud with them and kind of express yourself and then you'll never see them again. 
unlike my family, if I start speaking Uzbek with them, they make so much fun of my, me and my accent, and then I get insecure, and I'm like, no way, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it. Like, oh, you do you like go to like Uzbek bazaar where everyone is, mm. you know, loud, and you have to negotiate the price. And my husband always makes fun of me. He's like, this is five dollars. Are you seriously like going to, you know, <laughs> it's three dollars? And I'm like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't about money. It's a game. <laughs> it's about communication. <laughs> Yeah, it's about the game of. Speaking of bazaar, I love the story about your mom teaching you how to haggle. Oh yeah, yeah. This is my childhood. This is a growing up. It's my favorite part. Is going to a bazaar with my mom. That's how the whole ikat inspiration. That's where it came from. Me and my mom, we would go to a local bazaar and you know we didn't have a lot of money, so she really. Uh, had to get like a good deal especially like before you go to school in september you need to buy so many things like school mm. supplies and stuff so like if she's trying to buy me jeans she would be like okay when you're going to the store if you like something you don't get excited <laughs> <laughs> push those feelings don't, down yeah, yeah, push it, keep it cool keep it chill and like just let me know uh, that you'll like it and then I'll talk and I'll negotiate the price and then like we had to do this whole thing when we're like leaving and we're like oh no we don't need your product and mm-hmm. then the seller be like hey, hey hold on I'll give you a better deal and it was like an interesting act and a good negotiation skills lessons I learned are you fun. good in negotiation now I don't know I hope I think so I hope so I mean mm. even when Later, I was uh, studying for my bachelor's degree in business administration. We had this professor who would give us this assignment. Like you had to go to a bazaar and you had to negotiate the best price. And then like you had like, for example, I don't know, $20, right? Total. Everyone had $20. And then he would say, okay, buy whatever you can for $20. And then we would all come back and whoever had the most of anything kind of one in the class it was like he's it was negotiation skills class Mm. so we had to go and get out of our comfort zone even if something was like that cost like five dollars he would say ask for a ridiculous discount ask for 50 percent off and Mm -hmm. see like how that goes get out of your comfort zone I don't know. That's questionable. I would be like jacking the plate. Like I'll go to a friend. Like, hey, give me a shirt. Give me. You know what I mean? Like, this is. I don't like this way. It's. It's yeah. not like he's standing beside you. No. No. Yeah. Of course. And there's like, uh, there is this element that, of course, girls, you know, come back with more stuff. Of course, you know, especially pretty girls like you. You just have to like smile and sh- and me. I'm like. An ogre over here, like, hey, can you buy me some stuff? <laughs> yeah, like if you if you ask like someone who's like selling meat or whatever, like, a, yeah. a, a, give me a fifty percent discount, he'll be like, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be like fifty percent. I'll give you my number. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's it's a, it's a little biased, but uh I think it teaches you something still, you know, to get mm. out of your comfort zone because, like, even when you travel. You are so uncomfortable because you don't know how anything works. Mm. And then those things kind of teach you to just ask or just try and just like, I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm okay with haggling in person. I'm better with emails. 
if I can, <laughs> I can grind you. I can oh, ask really? for the, yeah, like when I bought my car, man, I grind the sales rep to like, to the halt. Oh, you the, should talk to my husband. He was just recently complaining about the whole car dealership, like harassment <laughs> situation. Uh, here's, here's how I put it, right? They're going to take money. You're going to get taken advantage of. The question is how much and how long mm -hmm. are you willing to take? Because you can't, it's not going to be free. It'll never be free. It'll never be like, uh, the, if the car is, let's say, 10000 you can get it for, I don't know, 3000 They'll never be $3,000. they will be like, I don't know, 8000 Yeah. You no, just have to course. let go. Yes, know? of course. Especially here in the U.S. I mean, it's so... It's it's not at all in the culture to ever like negotiate the price. It's mm. it's it's all it's frowned upon. It's like kind of, you know. It's, you find it. I, I mean, I don't know. Like in general, it's not in the culture to negotiate the price. Okay. So given the price, you pay it. I think, like in our culture, it's like you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but here, I've seen situations when you like ask just you know just out of curiosity would you give me a discount and then the person would get offended and be like oh you know what i don't want to i don't want to have like i don't want to do yeah. business with you or whatever and i'm like it's not you know it's just i just ask know? yeah yeah but i see you but car i know you can negotiate but yeah. like if you're i don't know clothes or i know appliances i don't think you could uh, they yeah, usually, it's, it's uh, you know what thing. no appliance you could sometimes pull it off if it's a high value item, sometimes you can pull it off. Like Maybe. you can, you know, you can say like, okay, I'm gonna buy this. How about throw me a pillow or something if you're buying a bed. Maybe, yeah. You don't I do think that. It depends on. I think it depends on the situation. Like you have to really feel if that's the right moment. Like, what if you're on a like farmer's market and it's like some custom made pillow that person feels very passionate about, and then you ask for a discount, they would hmm. be like. Uh, offended hmm. that you you know undervalue their creation or I don't know you know what it, I'm gonna it, say to that lady I'm gonna say hey <laughs> your pillow is not good because if it's good it'll be in a store there'll be walls <laughs> around it <laughs> oh that's funny uh, I can see that situation as funny <laughs> <laughs> what did your parents do for a living uh well my dad, he did a lot of different jobs. He unfortunately passed away oh, early. In peace. 20. And my mom also did a lot of different uh, things. She was a realtor. She was, uh, she, um, at some point she was like, uh, like a teacher in mm. school. But, you know, in Soviet times, we had these organizations called like pioneers house or whatever and then you you go there to like per, to, to to be like in different extracurriculum activities like karate classes or dances or craft classes and she was teaching like crafts uh in a place like that so i grew up always going to those little like concerts and performances and doing crafts with her and uh making our own like clothes and experimenting so it was a lot of fun how was your childhood was it rough or was it 
I mean, was, uh, <laughs> it was so confusing to be honest because, you know, I'm Uzbek. My dad and my mom are Uzbek. So uh, they are Muslim by religion. And my one of my grandmas was very traditional. She was uh, Muslim, you know, praying five times a day, all that. And she taught us a lot of traditional things. You know, as a girl, you have to do certain things, learn how to cook, blah, blah, blah. Mm. My other grandma was uh, very modern. She was a professor of Russian language and literature. She was pulling me towards the other uh, <laughs> values, such as girl power. You have to keep your head up. You have to walk confidently. You have to, you know, think about your career, maybe mm. travel, move somewhere else. So, and at the same time, even in my where I used to live, part of the community was this Russian community where girls like had long braids, where they like dress up pretty, dress up very modern. And at the same time, there were a lot of like, traditional people who came like from regions, started moving to the capital, you know, urbanization, all that. So they were very traditional. And it was always this conflict, like, where do I belong <laughs> what mm. do I do exactly? I think it's like that's I was like a, a bit of a rebel mm-hmm. in that term. So it was a bit hard, um, especially in my teenage years. I wasn't the best teenager. So I hope that doesn't come back to me one day and bite me in the ass. Oh, it will <laughs> come back. Have you two, have two beautiful girls. <laughs> I have, yes, I have two daughters. And uh, I mean, if it does, it will just. Uh, have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then mom will go look up, look up to you and say, remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's, she's already, yeah, she's ready. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'll be on your daughter's side, like always. <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, I'll be the grandma, so. That's funny. <laughs> when you were 16, you won a scholarship to move to the U.S. in Farmsville, Texas. Oh, yeah. So there is this uh, program. It's called Flex Future Leaders Exchange. It's a U.S. Department of State sponsored program. So anyone who is in those countries that are uh, that, you know, people who can apply from those countries, they get everything like their trip is paid for. They have a small allowance. They live with a host family and they are high school students. Mm. Um so usually uh, most of the post-soviet countries can apply to that program uh and it's a great opportunity uh if i don't know if someone listening or know someone who's studying in high school and from those countries you should definitely try because you just have to take like english exam and then write a couple essays and then pass an interview but english isn't even the main requirement the main requirement is your ability to express yourself you know they just want me to see that you're open-minded able to live with a host family abroad Mm -hmm. and that 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 was the most life-changing uh step for me when i was 16 years old uzbek girl living in uzbekistan to travel all across the ocean and Mm -hmm. live here in texas in farmersville this very small town <laughs> Not the way I imagined America would be. <laughs> There's <laughs> exactly. no skyscrapers. Well, no skyscrapers. But I was like, I, I don't know why I was, maybe also because in high school, like, you know, you, you I was very miserable, was like a lot of drama. And I was so happy to go to United States. Mm. And everyone was like, 
happy for me. And I, I was still loving it. Uh, mm. I love my host family. They taught me a lot about American culture. Uh, my high school, I, it was so different from my high school in Uzbekistan. So informal, so free. The pe- kids could like put their feet on tables in <laughs> front of a teacher. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you can, I remember like the first day of school in the United States, I came so dressed up. <laughs> And it was so awkward. What, what's dressed up? What's so dressed up? It was so embarrassing. I had this like skirt and I had high heels. <laughs> and I had this like shirt that was like button up shirt with the collar and everything. And then everyone was like in their PJs and like slippers. Mm. <laughs> it was a culture shock moment. And I didn't know what to do. By the so, way... If you before you left the house, your host family didn't say, "Hey, by the way, we don't dress like that here." <laughs> no, my host family was very. Um, I mean, they they were just kind of you know do your thing, figure it out on your mm. own. They, I think like if they said that, I don't know how I would perceive it. And I mean, I wasn't dressed in a horrible way. It was still acceptable attire it was just a little over <laughs> standard no, it's perfect so, you know. it's beautiful it's just obviously i i, I understand that you're overdressed yeah but, yeah you know as a host family they were like hey by the way i'm just letting you know <laughs> yes maybe maybe a little heads up with the eyes <laughs> you know um how did you who pushed you to to move and to take that experience did mom push you to do to apply yeah it was more my grandma uh on my dad's side the one who was like russian the professor. professor of russian english yeah she was an incredible woman she achieved a lot despite the time she was one of the few prof- female professors at the time from that region and she lived in other cultural co- uh, countries hmm. uh but um uh, she like she loved me so much. She was like I was her favorite. She loved me so much. She always she wanted me to travel. She wanted me to like do great things with my life. And I remember still that day when she like cut out a piece of a newspaper and brought it to me with a little announcement saying that there is this flex program that I can apply for and like the date. And then she like convinced me to go take English classes uh, extra uh, apart from school. And then every day I went and I studied English. I, I, I mean, I literally like within two months went from like a cat, a dog to, you know, <laughs> to the level that I had to take TOEFL exam um, for this. Um, wow. Yeah, it was. It, what it was, did mom say? My mom? No, I mean, my mom was just she was just like yeah do you know she was just encouraging she was very uh she's usually very kind of uh she doesn't push but she motivates you she supports you Mm -hmm. in whatever your ideas endeavors might be Mm -hmm. so So you stay so you live in texas for 10 months after that you have to go back home Yes, you have to. All the cultural exchange programs uh, require you to go back home. It's just for your cultural enrichment, understanding of American culture, mm-hmm. 
And then you, you know, you, your goal is to learn something that is so different and cool about other country and then go back and bring that special something into your country. Um, and what was that? In my case, uh, I think, I mean, for me, in my case, I think it was just, you know, the idea that a girl, regardless of whether she's Uzbek or religion or whatever, she can be herself, she can express herself, she can dress as she wants to, and um, I, I mean, it was very hard to fit in back. Mm. It's a reverse culture shock, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, everyone, like all of my girlfriends were like, you know, all dressed up, nice hair. And then I was the opposite. I would be like, redoing my, yeah, redoing my dad's jeans to have those like wide, you know, jeans. Butterflies. Uh, bottom, yeah. Bell bottoms. Yeah, those are like boyfriend style jeans or whatever, like that mm. I learned in the US that people don't have been but i think it's more like it mostly taught me creativity like mm. you can just do so many things what did your friends say when uh, you were wearing bell bottoms and whatnot uh well that was actually when i i came back uh i got my diploma from school because it was my last year and then i went to like college university like business school mm -hmm. back at home so it was all new friends. So I had mm. I had a chance to reestablish. <laughs> clean slate. <laughs> yes, clean slate. I'm a completely new person, and uh, the new Kami. I don't know. Yes, they they later, like four years later, they told me that they thought I'm very arrogant, <laughs> <laughs> and like I had a star, you know, superstar disease or something. But I think. Mm. At a time, it was just confidence. I don't know. Yeah, you know. I understand this because I remember growing up in the Philippines, and every time there's some teenagers that comes from the states and visit their, you know, family, we always view them like this guy is a cocky guy. I know. Yes, exactly. But yes, actually, no. That's just confidence. Because I don't know in Uzbek culture, but in my culture, you cannot be confident. No, it's not allowed. It's not. It's not encouraged. You know, you have to be. You can do the thing, but you're not allowed to show it, mm -hmm. or even say it. And we attribute that to Catholic upbringing. That, mm -hmm. like, hey, do you think you're good? Have you seen Jesus? He's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny because the same in Uzbek culture, it is uh, tied to religion to muslim you mm. know rules of how you should be in a family respect the elders don't speak loud don't uh express your ideas freely be <laughs> modest you know be humble all that but then um at the same time like it was very confusing to me because my family my host family was mm. very religious they were you know, Baptists, Christians, and they taught me a lot. Like, I didn't even know who Jesus was before I came to United States. <laughs> then, like, I was, like, reading Bible. I mean, I, I just learned something new. It wasn't mm. that. And then, uh, and then when I went back, I realized that, um, no, like, you, you have to 
adjust back still because it's a different culture mm-hmm. and um it was it was a process definitely mm-hmm. two beautiful daughters you have did you always want to be a mother oh yeah uh i, I always wanted to be a mom and i wasn't really good with kids uh <laughs> But now I have two kids and it's funny because they're both like, you know, they're both American. I'm an immigrant mm. mom mm. and it's so confusing sometimes what to teach them too. Like even if on this topic, right, should I teach them to be like more and more confident and, but then at the same time, I want them to be a little respectful, a little, you know, mm. know and feel the grounds. And so, but I want them to speak up and express their ideas, but I also, you know, want, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a, a thin mm-hmm. balance. Yeah. So, how do you find the balance? I I don't know. I mean, so sometimes it's just survival. <laughs> like you have two kids, you want to do something, but then you just like you try to at least have uh, uh, some time with each of them and encourage their creativity and embrace them the way you are. I personally have a very strong belief that. A person, a child is born, they already have a personality. Mm. This isn't like when I, when I became a mom, it was surprising to me how much of a personality the baby has already. Mm-hmm. You cannot change everything. All you can do is just shape and see what that person's talents are. Mm. And if you're lucky enough to like identify, maybe you can encourage, maybe you can feed that seed and then something grows out of it. But it's not like you can take and like change them 180 um, percent degrees. You have to really find that, uh, identify that talent. Like one of my daughters, she's very creative. She's very like she's Alice in Wonderland always. She's like singing and dancing <laughs> and unicorns and rainbows, and uh, she's always into crafts and you know arts and stuff like that. Mm. The other ones, like she's only one and a half years old. She is so serious. She's dead serious. At all times, you cannot make her smile laugh, and she's like very. She's very. Uh, I don't know. I already see that personality, even though she's like she can't talk yet. You know, she can't express herself. But you, you have you to observe. Yeah. Yeah. observe. yeah, she knows what she wants. I think she'll be that type. Yeah, she will. Know yeah. What which is good. Which is yeah. so good. I hope so. Because I because. With immigrant mom like me, <laughs> most of the times I don't know what to do or what I want. And same here, that homie. Is, yeah. Same here. <laughs> I have two kids too. I have oh, you two. do? Oh yeah. my gosh, I thought you were like 20. Oh, <laughs> you thank you. So I'm 40. <laughs> oh my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah, I'm 40. It's crazy. 40 years old. How old are you? Oh, oh I know. Well, I now feel like 50. I look at you. You're, you're 50? Saying, no, I'm, I'm oh, 35. But. 35, yeah. You look young. <laughs> thank you. But thank you, too. It's the rice. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> so. You have two boys, girls? Two boys. I only make boys. Oh. oh. I did things Fun. when I was young. <laughs> I don't want to pay for them. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, they're awesome. And like you said, that us being immigrants, we're stuck in this two culture and you have to choose which culture you're going to use. This is having older kids compared to yours. This is how I dealt with it is 
I it depends on the situation. Whatever I think it's better, I'll approach it. And trust me, you will always make mistake, but mm-hmm. you just have to accept that. Yeah, you messed up. Let's move on. You know, like so in our culture. To show respect is you hold an older person's hand and then you put it on your forehead. Mm-hmm. And then you say manopo. It means, uh, it's like, please, it's something like bless me. Mm-hmm. It's to show respect, right? So now my wife is Canadian. She's not Filipina. So now that added another layer, right? Yeah. So I, we spoke about it and I said, hey, I'm not 100% like let's follow Filipino culture, but this one thing I like for them to follow. This would be nice. This would be, it shows them respect. So I tell them, okay, if you go to a Filipino house, you do the manopo. If you Mm -hmm. go to your Canadian side, you don't have to do it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, I just, how I approach it. Like the situation happens and then you react. It's like instinct. You'll know it's in your heart. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with me because I am Uzbek. My husband is Russian. We live in U.S. <laughs> it's like my daughter said, so what am I again? <laughs> I'm like, oh. You're a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I want some of the things from my culture for them to follow. Like I want them to say hello in Uzbek when they're with my family because mm. it's respectful. It's like you said, we have to say assalamu alaikum. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you have to say that in that language. But then with, he- with my husband's family, you can say that in Russian. And certain things like when you finish the meal, you have to say the blessing, like we hold our hands and then you say like the, it's, it's not like a blessing, it's like a Muslim version. When you say what your wishes are and then you kind of wash your face. With them. After the <laughs> meal? After, sometimes before, sometimes okay. when you have a guest in the house. But anyways, like for my kids, whenever someone is doing like Omi, they have to also do Omi. That's, uh, that's cute. Got it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so see, for me, little things like that, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't affect much on the Western idea, in the Western culture. So, I, I for me, like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's, you know, there's some culture that, oh, you have to carry this. Like, I remember there was a, a situation here in Canada there's this group of, I don't exactly where they're from, but I know they're from India. And in their culture, the men, when they turn, I think, 17 or 16, they have to carry a knife, like a little knife, to show that you're a man. And they wanted to carry the knife. I'm like, yo, bro, wait a minute. You can't, cannot carry a knife. And then they're saying, this is our culture. Uh, this is our, you know, this is our culture. You should respect it. I'm like, yo, 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 yo. This is a knife we're talking about here you know yeah i'm okay like hey come in come in do your culture make our culture better but there are levels there are boundaries that you don't cross yes i agree i think it's good to have certain values to have your and even like later i think they will kind of come to this uh 
cultural identity, maybe search or cultural identity crisis at some point, because they mm-hmm. will still be different from average American. I mean, even right now, like sometimes she goes to school and she asks me like, why no kids know about Uzbekistan? Not one kid in my Texas school. But I'm like, well, you know, but it's good that you know, they also have some other students from other countries. I'm like, oh, where is this good student from? Like, he's from Israel. You know, sometimes um, it's good to have that uh, diversity and some sense of, like, the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But I already see that in the future there will be, like, more and more questions. And mm-hmm. some questions that I am asking myself right now, uh, where do I belong? Who am I? And, you know, like... Every immigrant, I think, especially like at the first part, has that insecurity hmm. that I'm doing something wrong. You know, am I following the right rules? Am I doing everything right? Like, like there's this little voice that always is telling you, you're doing this wrong, you're doing something wrong. And the whole time you're thinking, Ooh, how do I find the answer to that? But the answer isn't to find the right way to do things. It's to tell that voice to shut <laughs> shut up. <laughs> because there is no right way to do things. It's just your way. Mm. And someone else does things differently. And that that's the realization you come to me, for me after 10 years. Mm. 10 years later, after trying to be a photographer, fitness instructor, nutritionist, or whatever, whatever else I wanted to be to fit in, to trying to be in mom's clubs where I would be the weirdo and all like this community moms would be like sipping wine and I was there like tired and like I just wanted to come to my little immigrant party where a grandma would without asking me grab my child you Mm -hmm. know and like hold her for five minutes so I can have a decent meal where everyone just shares their you know food or something like that gossip a gossip yeah (laughs) and that uh over time you come to that and that's like why I think I I feel like finally where I want to be with my little ikat with my you know job it's it's good like, you found yourself yes i think i'm i'm i i found i i found myself because that's who i am like i have to pay some respect to my culture and i have mm. to always carry it with me and uh, having ikat uh, being part of this cultural exchange has really allowed me to do that, you know, expressing myself. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to start Ikat? Well, it's a bit of like, it's a, uh, it's a long story, but I think what really kickstarted was like my mom, uh, she's very important in my life. We have, we are three kids and she's a single mom who raised us almost all by herself. So it was very challenging, but she always shared so much love and so much, she gave us so much uh, freedom to be creative, to follow our passions. Hmm. And uh, one and a half years ago, she she was diagnosed with breast cancer Hmm. And so we were all in shock because she's a very healthy person. She's pretty young. Uh, And so for me, it was also hard because it was, I just had my second child. 
like I was still in postpartum like mode. I was still in fog and all of this. It's like it, it was very challenging. And after she uh, she had a surgery and then she recovered, she we all together like we beat cancer, and I hope mm. it never comes back. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yes, and uh, I, I decided to start the Sikat. It was kind of like a I have to do something moment. Uh, it, it was uh, I wanted to pay tribute to my mom for mm. her bravery, pay tribute to my culture for everything it's given me. And this the the shape of this kimono is like if you see it, it's like. It's so freeing, like, you know, like you walk and it's, you know, the wind blows and it's so like liberating. I don't know. I feel like that's the, that's the spirit of when you're like of victory. And uh, when I saw that, when I went back to Uzbekistan, I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I just fell in love. I have to do something. I had this idea. So. Mm. They're beautiful. I asked my wife if I was going to buy her. She's like, no, I'm short. It doesn't fit me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have shorter uh, versions this year, but uh, I understand the concern. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you have clothes for men? Uh, I mean, they are universal. If I know. You're, uh, you I like the black still... one. Yes, I have the black and white velvet one. Um. I can see that, like, so, are you even like I have some influencer I follow like, on TikTok, and I was like, oh, he would be really cool in that, you know, because they're mm. so posh. They're like, you're the king of the world, kind of mode. <laughs> I'll wear it. I'll wear it at home. I won't wear it outside because you know, I don't know. It's yeah. like it's kimono. It's like I mean, a beautiful pattern, by the way. I love the colors, um, but I I don't think I don't know. Maybe one day. If I go downtown, I think like, it would be nice if you wear like if you go to like a vacation, mm, and yes. then you're going outside in like to sit by the pool, but you want something on your shoulders. Yeah, well, I don't want to show just... my dad, but you know. <laughs> Do you import it or who or you buy it locally? How does it work? No, we we import. Yeah, mm. we import from they're all made in Uzbek. And there's a like a group of women that makes it? How does the... Yes, yes. Actually, it's funny. Like this, the last time I met with this woman, it's a family-owned business. They make them all themselves. The, uh, the woman, uh, she, she, the main person that like I talked to, she also has a daughter and her husband, she was telling me like her love story. Her husband is also of different nationality and we were like sharing some uh, funny situations, but mm -hmm. it's family owned. They've been doing this for a very long time. and uh, uh, We work with them. They're our partner and they, uh, yeah, they, they make them in their little like, factory in Uzbekistan, in Tashkent. Mm -hmm. Is there a history in the patterns? Because they're beautiful patterns. Well, the traditional ikat print, the idea is that it's kind of like tie-dye. It mm. is like a 56 or sometimes 60-step uh, process where it's not that they take the fabric and then dye the pattern on top. Mm. It's that they actually take 
the uh, threads first. They mm-hmm. dye them, and that's what creates this ikat pattern. It's mm-hmm. that they only after that they um, they make the fabric of already dyed. Uh, oh, okay, threads. and then they cut yes. it off and design it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, of course, uh, the technology is not exactly there because the very natural uh, fabric is very hard to handle. Uh, Mm. You cannot wash it in a washer. You cannot iron it. Uh, So this is a much modified version so that it's much more practical for women to wear on an everyday Mm. basis. So um, I think... This is a you know this is a nice compromise because that way you can really wear it you can really show your culture instead of just having it in your closet and never wearing like we all often do with our traditional clothing you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of showing your culture, would you sell to customer that only like the clothes because they like it, or do you prefer for someone that is interested behind the history of the patterns? No, I think it, it you know one leads to to the other. If someone wants this, uh, I'm happy to sell it to them. And it encourages them to learn a little bit more. Maybe not right now, but maybe later. Maybe mm. they wear it somewhere and someone asks, where is this from? And they st- then they start to question. Mm. And uh, you can't really be like, you know, strict about it when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You have a mission to carry. And that's like an idea behind cultural exchange too. You can't really force anything. It's just a, a hope that one day the person will think about it, think about the culture. And maybe like if there's news about Uzbekistan, you will care a little bit more mm. about what's going on in that country rather mm. than ignoring it completely you know mm, i agree uh, so you, i'm sure you saw that ralph lauren tried to sell the the pattern uh, how do you what's your opinion about that oh yeah the cultural appropriation of the cut patterns has been all over ralph lauren i saw some other designers to try to use it i think i mean it, it there's a right and wrong way to do that from the designer's point of view. The wrong way to do that is just to use it and sell it without any reference. It is absolutely unacceptable. Hmm. Uh, and the right way to do it, if they actually went to Uzbekistan, if they showed uh, people or you know, or other Asian countries where ikat comes from, also from Singapore, Malaysia, other countries. Hmm. But if they actually showed the process, showed the people, showed uh, you know, beautiful history behind it, showed a great Silk Road where it came from, or somehow like I don't know, gave some money to those communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it would be a great PR for them as well. But the yeah. way they do this is just so offensive, I feel like, to people from those regions. Yeah. Um, it was blatant. Yeah. Definitely. No, there's no respect. Speaking of the patterns, we have almost something like it in the Philippines. It's called batik. Mm-hmm. It's probably the same idea. It's like tie-dye situation, but we call it batik. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure because the history behind is that 
all the silks were exported from Asia to Europe, to Middle East, mm. through Central Asia. Mm. And all the caravans were carrying them. And that's where Ikat came from. It was just a, one of the types of goods and fabrics to be traded on mm. those routes. So, mm. What's one thing also I found and I find that impressive is it's very affordable, your products. I wanted, yes, I know that there are different prices, different variations. And my strategy with the pricing was for this to be affordable for, uh, for any women because the idea is to, you know, spread the culture to mm. the more people buy it, the more people will be able to wear it, the more questions will be asked, the more attention will be drawn to mm-hmm. where they came from. Mm-hmm. Are you planning of adding more products? Like I know some, I have had uh, some Uzbek on, they wear this hat. I forgot the name. Yeah, yeah, Where, yeah. It's um, uh, uh, it's called. Hold on. <laughs> In the moment, I forgot the name. No pressure. You're the cultural <laughs> yeah, ambassador. No pressure. I actually have it right here on my Perfect. wall. Uh, yeah, but that's this it. One has, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hats, maybe no, but I wanted to. Uh, I'm thinking about adding uh, little purses to mm. my collection these purses are handmade actually my aunt makes them and she uh, I wanted to add a little ikat like handkerchief to them so that women can tie it and have it as an element because I know that kimono is a little bit maybe a lot for every day to wear mm. but this little element could be also something that always reminds you of your home or where you come from or of someone who comes from Uzbekistan so mm. it's like it's this little emotional connection or a scarf or a scarf yeah yeah I'm thinking of buying one like a nice one, you know, like you said, I'm going to walk around like I'm the king of the house, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, would be, that would be really cool, I think. This black and white one would be good. Because like I, I always say, and I would profess that I love Uzbeks. Like they are. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. I love. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I love. I always say like I'm a, apparently I'm the, I'm a Central Asian now, you know, because I <laughs> yes, love Uzbeks. They're, <laughs> they're so kind. They're so supportive, like obviously Camila Artinamti, my girl, um, Aww, yeah. um, uh, Malika, and you know more of them. Like they I always tell like, you guys are so kind. Like, I've never met at least that I have interacted online that like abrasive. Yeah, I. Uh, I love these girls too, and mm. they're much younger than me. I've never met them ever in my. I don't even know how I came about, like, to follow them, find them, or whatever. Mm. But I feel like I've known them forever, and I feel like it's just so funny how you can find this community of like-minded people online, and you just, you know, you feel connected because mm. you are kind of serving the same mission, like spreading your culture or talking about your culture, like. It's it's amazing to me, especially in the, the post-COVID world, that mm-hmm. it has become like possible. That I feel more connected to them than maybe some people that I've known in person mm-hmm. for years. Um, mm. 
you're doing it too deep. Me, I just want to make sure that they send me some food. That's all I care about. <laughs> I want to plow, you know? Oh, you should come to Texas. We'll, we will make some plow. My brother-in-law makes great plow. I'm planning, I'm planning. Yes. So let's talk about the cultural exchange program that you work for. Let's, uh, what is it about? Uh, explain how you got into it. Mm, yes. So I was an intern in the organization, Cultural Exchange, uh, uh, Cultural Homestay International is the name of our organization, CHI, that's short. And uh, basically the idea is to promote mm, kind of promote world peace through mm. people-to-people exchanges. Um, an example to that can be that, like, for example, if you have a friend who lives uh, in Spain, mm. next time you watch the news about Spain, you know, you'll think about your friend, you'll care a little bit more about your friend in their country. And the idea initially of all cultural exchange programs came after World War II mm. when... That was the Senator Fulbright in the U.S. who really real like he realized that people live in such a bubble. Sometimes they live in their country, they watch their local news, and especially like even now with the you know social media algorithms, you start mm-hmm. only seeing content that's fed into your feed, and then you 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 you, you kind of live in your own little world. Uh, if you follow like organic food, then you only see organic food and then you start like being more polarized. Mm. And that's what the, the whole cultural exchange wants to change. It's like you get out of this bubble, you travel, you exchange cultures, and then you start seeing the world differently. Your mind expands. And mm. uh, we have many programs for someone who wants to host an exchange student, who wants to travel abroad, uh, who wants to, you know, if you have like a big business, you can host an intern or trainee mm. from another country. So, uh, but, you know, you can check them out on the website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll include it on the, when, when I release the episode. What type of fees does include with it? Uh, it all depends on which program. Okay. For for example, uh, if you want to be a host business, of course it's free for American or I don't know empl- employers. If you want to be a host family, it's all volunteer based, um, and we have such cute students from all over the world, from Japan, Thailand, from Spain, Germany. Mm. Um, if you uh, if you go to our Instagram page, there's a very cute video where they all share uh, one weird things they learned about America. It's very funny. Like one of them says, uh, "Americans ask Alexa everything." And <laughs> 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 uh, but it's you know you make somebody's dream come true. If you have an extra room. If you or if you have a teenager in the house, it's educational for them too to learn to mm. appreciate some things they take for granted. And mm. somebody comes from like Turkey or somebody comes from Thailand and they learn what different teenagers are doing. So a lot of the times it's that. And you can choose the country you're going to. Uh, well, yeah, see there are two types. One, the pro there's like outbound program. 
where you go from English speaking country to Europe, for example, to live with a host family. Mm. And then there are inbound programs when, for example, Americans can host exchange students from other countries. Mm. If you want to go abroad and you're a native English speaker, you can choose a country. Mostly we work with Italy, France, Spain is very popular. And I'm sending one woman to Uzbekistan next month. Oh, I'm so awesome. excited. I just had a call with her. She's so sweet. And she was asking me, oh, can you tell me some of the like cultural things, the unwritten rules and traditions? And mm. I'm like, okay, if you're at a table, don't start eating first. <laughs> Small <laughs> things that are like really specific. But um, yeah, we do, we do that. How can a family host a participant? So if you want to host an exchange student, uh, this is in the U.S., uh, you go to our website and then uh, you go to academic year program, academic year, and you leave a request there as a mm -hmm. host family. The website is easy to navigate. And mm -hmm. you can even go and look at the Meet Our Students tab and that's where you will see like short profiles of like, I am uh, Camilla from Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like um, fashion and music, mm -hmm. something like that. So then you can post them. Beautiful. So if I'm sending my kid to, let's say Uzbekistan, right? How do you ensure the safety of the participants? All right. So... Um, if you're sending your kid, well, first they have to be of a certain age. So we used to have high school programs to go abroad, but right now we are pausing those programs because still recovering after the pandemic, mm. the limited resources, it's a nonprofit, all that. But if, for example, your kid is like 20 years old or 18 and older, and they mm. decide to travel to Spain, for example, for a month, two or three, uh, they put in their application. I send that application to our partner in Spain. They find a host family. They send all the information about the host family to me. Uh, I will send them to you. And then you can, you know, look up, uh, the, look at their profile, make a contact, maybe have a video chat, look at their photographs. But usually it's very self-explanatory. I mean, these are the families. Like You see this like a big family with kids and they just want someone to come and teach them English, like a native speaker, like, talk to them on a daily basis. I'm sure you would, and, you know, some, as, uh, someone from abroad, you understand how hard it is to find a good English teacher, especially a native speaker who can teach, who can really help overcome that language barrier, you know, on a daily mm. basis. So it's a win-win situation. Uh, and um, in addition to that, we have a local partner who is to provide support to the participants at all times during the program. Mm. So, What if the participants say, okay, I'm going to Uzbekistan. Five months later, he says, I need to go back home. How that works? Well, we don't have five months long programs. We okay. for outbound, we only have one, two, and three months. Oh, okay. And, uh, it so also let's say depends. one month decided yeah. like you have to do three months, and you one month like I gotta go back home. How does it work? 
you you know, if you are experiencing a very heavy culture shock, if you're miserable, you don't like it, we help you come back home. That's just uh Is it free? Not free, right? Uh you mean coming back? <laughs> sure, the, yeah, coming back and going there. No, the the program has the program fee, of course, because we have to pay the partner. They spend their resources and time. We spend our resources and time okay. in consulting and, and things like that. But uh, the room and three times meal a day is on the host family. Oh, no way. Yes, yes. That's That's the main thing is that even if you like, stay in an airbnb you have to buy your food you have to you know you have to go socialize mm -hmm. in this case you get to stay with the host family they provide food and room and you know do you, you have do you have someone here in, in uh, montreal that i could talk to because i'm sending my kids <laughs> in montreal i mean uh, you can talk to me when they're old enough uh, how okay. old are your kids <laughs> my eldest How old is this kid? He's turning 16. <laughs> He's oh, turning wow. 16. So two more years, yeah. is it okay? Yeah, I'll, 18 I'll talk is to perfect. You, like, send this guy to Afghanistan or somewhere. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send him to Spain or you know, Uzbekistan. Since yeah, you're yeah. Like big food. Yeah, definitely. I'll figure it out. I'll, 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 I'll talk to him. Thank you, by the way. Mm -hmm. So when your kids grow up, would you let them join the program? Oh, for sure. They're out. They're like, I'm sending them all over. I'm my Actually, we travel a lot with my husband. And my youngest daughter, even though she's six years old, she's been to like 15 countries with us. Hmm. But of course, with the two of them, it's a, a bit more challenging. So we only went to like three, four countries. Hmm. But when she was three months old, we already took her to Uzbekistan. So like we travel a lot and we hope that they learn this about the world learn to respect other cultures learn about other cultures always keep an open mind um it's it's a it's a big mission of our family to travel mm. as much as possible we love to travel yeah such a privilege you know it in is a, uh, in a good way yes it really is Especially, I think, after the pandemic, we realized how how valuable this opportunity is to go somewhere and learn about. Mm. Yeah, life is so short. Enjoy life. Yeah. Yes. Who yes. gives a shit if you have a few dollars in the bank? Like, You don't have to spend money anyway. Really, just a plane ticket and then that's it. You figure out something. <laughs> That's true. I mean, to some countries, you literally can go and, you know, figure out what to do over there. If yeah. you, you just have to be brave enough. I think mm -hmm. here, like, I don't know if you know this, but in the U.S., less than 50% of people have passport. Like, they've never traveled um, abroad. Wow. It's, 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 it's my mission to kind of change that. <laughs> That's a big <laughs> mission, like, girl. Well, you know, dream big, right? Hells, yeah. Hey, listen, Kami, it's been an mm -hmm. amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. 
Me too. So, it's nice to meet you. I swear, like I've been enjoying the background so much the whole oh. time. Thank you for <laughs> being so considerate. <laughs> ah, I do all right, I guess. You're welcome. Mm. Before we close out, do you have any last remarks before you know we end this? Um. Uh. I mean. Uh, I just uh, want to thank you, first of all, for having me. Uh, I want to wish everyone listening to this podcast best of luck in whatever you're doing. Be brave, travel, learn about other cultures, respect your own culture, embrace it, embrace who you are. You're beautiful, you're amazing, you're talented. You have it within you and happiness and love is inside of you. You can always find it. You don't need some extra people telling you what to do, how to do it, to do it right or wrong. Uh, I think that for 35 years that I lived on this planet, I, there's only one truth that I've learned is that we have to share love. Uh, that's what will save the world. And we have to travel and see what's out there. So explore, grow, <laughs> be brave. And thank you. Mm, wise word from a wise woman. Again, Kami, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. It's very nice to meet you too. <laughs> awesome. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Again, Camila, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you listeners for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.